Great to, great to be here with you guys. Yeah, my name's Jake, if you don't know me. Um, I'm going to be teaching this morning on praying in the name of Jesus. So a lot of you guys have heard prayer, or you might pray that at every dinner. You might say, in the name of Jesus, amen. Um, I'm going to talk to us a little bit about what that actually means in the biblical context, and I think there's some really rich... I want everybody to be able to come home with something today, and I'm going to back up, give you context. If this is your first time in a church ever, I'm hoping that I can give you something to take home because there's a lot of verses in the Bible about what's available to us when we pray in the name of Jesus. It's amazing, actually. I, I, I was The hardest part about preparing this message was picking which verse to teach from because there's a lot of them. There's, there's you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, get up and move, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible with God. We can do all things through him who strengthens us. The Father in heaven will give you anything that you ask in his name. It goes on and on and on. And I've learned, I'm a little bit of a brickhead, but when something's repeated a whole bunch of times in the Bible, it's usually important. And usually he's trying to get through to us. Um, so I did end up picking one. And if you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to turn to John chapter 16, I'm going to start in verse 16. And just while you guys are turning there, I'd love to just open us in prayer and kind of get us settled a little bit. So... God, we're here to meet with you. We thank you for who you are. We remember, if, for those of you who were here last week, we remember Kathleen's sermon that just that taught us to number our days and to treasure each moment as a gift. So we sincerely take a moment to say thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and to live in a country that's so beautiful and where we can talk about you openly, for all the blessings that have come from, from being born into this country and, and just the... All the, all the ways that you have blessed us, we, we choose to thank you and just remember you this morning. We, take a, we put into practice Kathleen's sermon from last week, and we just say, help us to number our days. We want to learn from you today. We want to hear from you. We just welcome you to speak to us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 16, verses 16, I'm going to go all the way to 28. So what we're reading, to give you some context is Jesus is talking to his 12 apostles, or the 12 disciples, and he's having a conversation with them, and this is what he says. I'm reading from the NIV translation. It says, Jesus went on to say, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me, and because I'm going to the Father? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf, 
No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. So if this is your first time at church, I wanted to give you this context because what Jesus is telling his 12 apostles or 12 disciples about is that there's going to be a time when they would weep and mourn, but then like giving birth to a child, they forget all of that pain because they're going to see him again. And that they will rejoice and no one will be able to take away their joy. That is so powerful. The Son of God is saying you want, that, that no one will be able to take away their joy. That time that Jesus needed to go away was when he died on a cross. He was in the grave for three days. The reason he did that was because of love for you and for me. And for those 12 people that he was talking with. He loved them so much that he wanted to take away the punishment that they deserved and you and me for the sins that we've committed so that we would be restored back to a right relationship with God. He loved you that much that he didn't want you to have to taste the punishment that we deserved. He took it for you. And now the free gift of God is eternal life by believing in him. It's, it's, it's that simple and it's that free. So Jesus rose again from the grave. They said he would, they would see him again. So they, he rises again from the grave and now the Christian life. So I'm telling you that that day that he was talking about when they would have joy that couldn't be taken from them, when Jesus would talk to them, but not figuratively. Remember he said in that day, I'll no longer use this kind of language, but I'll speak to you plainly. That is today. The Bible calls it the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus rose again from the grave, it's, he, he defeated death. And when you receive his gift, death doesn't have dominion over you anymore. Sin doesn't, you're no longer enslaved to sin. What that means to translate is that you can be free from stuff that you couldn't free yourself from before. You no longer are a slave to those types of things. It's the free gift of God. And it's for today. I wanted to start there because he talks about in that day, we will be able to ask anything in his name and the Father will do it for us. In that day, I'm talking about today. So if this is your first time ever at a church, I just wanted to start there. If, this is, if you've never made that decision, I, I just needed to be really clear to you that that's an invitation for everybody. That it's because Jesus loved you that he would die for you and give you that free gift. It's available to anybody. If you wanted to make that decision, you can do that on your own with God. You can talk to a friend this morning. You can talk to me. But God is for you. Sometimes we think that he's only accepting people that have it all together, but he came to heal the sick, not the people who thought they were healthy. So if, that's the free gift of God. And we live in the day today where no one can take away our joy having seen him again because he rose again from the grave. He lives with us. You live with him every day. He's, it's, a, it's a living relationship. He's, he promises, he says, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Every day you can wake up and have God himself in your room, living inside of you, talking to you plainly. He's not going to speak in weird metaphors and poetic things. He just talks to you like a friend. That's amazing. That's available to everybody today. I wanted to start there. Let's get back to my topic. I'm talking today about praying in Jesus' name. So like I said, you've probably heard people say those words a lot, in Jesus' name, amen. And in verse 26, we hear one of these verses where that practice comes from. He says, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. When I was a kid, I've heard these verses preached on, and that's a pretty, it's a pretty wide open blanket statement, you know? So what I tried to do was ask God for Spider-Man powers, and I would say, in Jesus' name. Didn't work. <laughs> I still don't have Spider-Man powers. <laughs> I prayed it in Jesus' name, and it didn't work. Yet, the Bible still says that. So, we, okay, we're at a fork in the road. The Bible still says, 
ask and you receive, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So it's either wrong or I'm missing something. Have any guesses on uh, what the right answer is here? <laughs> Everyone leaves here with Spider-Man powers. Turns out I was wrong, but I'm just kidding. Can I just get real with you for a minute? Like, I said at the beginning that there's a lot of verses that speak to this effect, that anything is possible with God. Like, that's literally a Bible verse. Nothing will be impossible with God. A lot of you being Christians have probably heard those verses before. Can I just get, can I just get some honesty? Is there anybody else that has a hard time understanding or believing that? Right? Like, like, I can ask for anything and it will be done. Is it just me? All right, all right. You know what I'm saying now? It's like we've heard these verses, but <laughs> it's just me. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, it is just me. <laughs> so, like I said, it's either wrong and fake or we're missing something. The good news is we're missing something and there is a way that our joy can be complete because we can ask anything in Jesus' name and he will give it to us. That Bible verse isn't going to change yesterday or tomorrow. We can still do that. That's for today. In Hebrew culture they would have understand this verse a little bit differently. The idea of your name in Hebrew culture was very different than we understand names. It was, understand it, like it was understood to have an intrinsic um, tie. To, to, it, it spoke about who you were. Your name wasn't just a name to address a human. It, it, the name encapsulated who you were. So if you were praying in the name of somebody, it was a lot more than just verbalizing their name. It was, you were doing it in all that they were. It was in reference to who they were. Their name encapsulated who they were. It's very different that we understand it. So you can imagine the difference of what it would mean if they understood it to mean praying in the name and all of who Jesus was versus just saying in Jesus' name, verbalizing those words. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of just real-life examples of how this can get confused in our lives. I mean, we try and put it into practice and I think you'll start to catch on to what I'm getting at. Sometimes we can pray for God, pray to, pray to God for, for healing, right? We have a physical pain or we'll ask him for healing. And if we're being real, sometimes we're actually saying to God, prove yourself to me. If you're real, miraculously heal this arm or something. If we're being honest. And sometimes it's actually like a, sometimes it's actually like a ransom. It's like, God, if I'm not even going to consider to follow you anymore, if you don't show up right here, right now. And it's actually in the Bible and it says, don't test God. So even though this might sound funny, but you can pray for healing and be testing God. Like you can, so it can seem like you're, you know, of course God wants to heal everybody. It's in his nature to do that. Jesus walked around healing everybody. But in asking that, sometimes you're really saying something different. Does that make sense to you guys? Your motivation is, is you're, you're challenging God or you're saying, prove yourself to me. It's not actually out of a place of, I, I, I love this person and want to see them healed. It's, it's a different heart behind the matter, right? I want to give you a real example from my life, too. Um, I think it was probably around last fall, I caught on to these guys on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if you know the names Todd White or Dan Moeller. Anybody? It's like one nodding head. Okay. Yeah, a few people. Um, I caught on to these preachers on YouTube, and they really impacted my life. They're, um, I mean, they're honestly, I mean, a little crazy, but they're full of joy. And they, they gave me a sense, just as I started to listen to some of their teaching, that of just what was possible in a relationship with God. What I saw in their life, the joy that I saw that wasn't weird or creepy or fake, like just who I saw, like how, who God meant, sorry, who God was to them inspired me. It was like, wow, there, there's so much more than I realize in my relationship with God. So last fall, I start to get wind of that, right? So immediately, I mean, if you, if you listen to their teaching, the, the, you're transformed by, not by faking anything. You, you can't muster it up and fake it yourself. You're transformed when God reveals something to you. So I started to seek God and say, God, it seems like there's so much more for me 
Would you transform me? And, and I was kind of, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I was kind of saying, make me look like them, you know? What if, whatever they got, I want in on that. Make me look like these guys on YouTube, right? And I'm not saying, it, this isn't necessarily a black and white issue, but before wrong, I had to admit that it wasn't manifesting itself in the fullness that I, that I was seeing on these, in these guys. And I started to wonder, like, what's going on here? I'm praying, I'm asking God. And, it, and if, if somebody asked you, okay, let's just pause for a second. If, is it God's will that you would know him more, love him more, and that you would be filled with more joy in your life, right? I mean, absolutely, right? So when I start to ask this, and I'm saying in Jesus' name, when I pray, of course, I'm, I'm trying to pray in his name, but I'm not seeing the results that I'm kind of asking for. I mean, we can, we can kind of stop there and get confused and, and hurt and broken and say, well, I guess either God's not real or I'm missing something. And you start to honestly go that way in your mind. You're like, it must be something wrong with me, uh, you know, and it gets, it gets kind of twisted. The truth, that, the truth that God showed me, and this is, I'm just being really honest with you guys this morning. This is a little, it's a little dark, but my motivations, honestly, when I would see these guys and I would see what was possible with God and just how much God could mean to me, a part of my motivation that God showed me was that I actually wanted to, to have that be a reality in my life so that I could show other Christians that, like, I had something figured out that they didn't. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Like, I would never have consciously said that out loud, like, ha-ha, I'm going to, like, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't necessarily conscious, but I was really seeking that out of a, trying to prove something to other people, to, to show them that I'm really seeking God and I'm rah-rah-rah. I'm not saying this is a black and white issue. It's not usually that cut and dry. But God showed me that that was a part of the motivation in my heart, that I was trying to prove something to other people. It was a selfish, prideful motivation. And honestly, it, it kind of takes you sometimes months to admit that. <laughs> it kind of takes you months to be like, I think actually my heart's motivation wasn't exactly pure. You know, so of course it's God's will that he would fill your life with joy and that he would mean more to you, that you would love him and know him more. But was I really asking it in Jesus' name or was I asking it in the name of Jacob of trying to be self-righteous? Or was I asking it in the name of bitterness, trying to prove something from people that I had, I don't know, had a vendetta against or something? Was it in Jesus' name or in my name or in the name of bitterness, right? So I think you guys can catch on that you can ask something in Jesus' name, but really what you need to do is asking it according to who he is. What that means is it's all that, you're asking it in light of who he is, all that's represented by his name. That's you're asking it in that name because it's his motivation. It's his power that wants to do it. It's not just saying in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you another example in Matthew 17, verse 20, if you want to turn there. In Matthew 17, the disciples were jumping into the middle of a story. The disciples, are, are, they're not able to cast a demon out of a young boy. And they've, they've had great success doing this before. They've cast out demons without any trouble. And this is the first time they have trouble and they don't understand why it's not working. They're doing the same thing they were before. So Jesus responds to them. Here's the verse in 20. It says, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So again, I heard this verse a lot growing up. If you even had faith that the size of a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to move. And that's just so intangible to me. I mean, honestly, maybe I'm not alone in the room, but sometimes when I hear that verse, it's kind of like a shame thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't even make faith as much as a mustard seed, which by the way, are really small seeds. That's the whole point. I'm pretty sure it's like the smallest seed ever or something. It's like a metaphor, but 
Do you know what I'm saying? Am I alone in that? Sometimes you hear that verse and you're like, oh my gosh, I must be, I must be brutal. I can't even muster up that kind of a faith, right? A mustard seed, you know? But he's saying even if you have that kind of a faith, you could, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. I want to share with you a couple more verses about what the Bible says about faith. This is going to bring me kind of to kind of the crux of my message this morning. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we will not see. Can you, so it's the confidence that what you hope for will actually happen. Can you try really hard to make yourself more confident? I've done this, okay? Just, huh, huh, didn't work. <laughs> What's the answer, right? I don't know that I can create a mustard seed by, I don't know if I can make my faith and my confidence that strong. Here's the next verse. This is really helpful. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Hearing the word of Christ is, well, first of all, let's stop, let's stop at the word hearing. Your faith is going to be grown by hearing something. That implies that there's someone speaking. Someone is speaking to you. Let me just, let me just zoom us out a little bit. Someone is speaking to you that wants to build your faith. You're not supposed to create a mustard seed on your own strength and it's to your shame that you can't make enough faith happen. He's saying that it's going to come by hearing my words. It's going to come by getting to know what my name means rather than just saying the name of Jesus. Really, it's about getting to know who he is because that's what they understood his name to mean. His name would signify all that Jesus, all that God is. Did you know that according to ChristianAnswers.net, this is a great website name, ChristianAnswers.net says that there's 954 different names and titles given to God in the Bible. 954. That's, that's a lot. The point here is that you can get to know God and there's, there's, I don't even think 954 words would begin to encapsulate all that he is, but it's in the understanding of who he is, allowing him to show that to you by hearing. All God needs is an open ear, an open life, a heart that's saying, show yourself to me. I, I, that's how your faith is going to be built. That's how a confidence that has nothing to do with you just trying to muster something up is going to be within your life. And it's meant to be encouraging. It's meant to be life-giving when it says mustard seed. It's not meant to be to your shame. It's meant to say, if you would even listen and allow me to give you a confidence that I did rise from the dead and I am with you today. I am for you, not against you. I love you and this is who I am. If you would allow God and listen, he will build that within you. He is eager to do that. As you hear this word of Christ that gives you faith, you'll grow in that confidence. It will grow. Read of Jesus Christ and listen as you pray. I'm going to unpack that. Read of Jesus Christ. In John 17, I didn't pull up the verse. I can quote it if it's helpful. But in John 17, Jesus is praying aloud. It's kind of like a monologue. And he says, Father, I have manifested your name to them. So Jesus is the embodiment of God's name. What was manifest, what was a reality in the person of Jesus will show you God's name. It will show you who God is. Read of Jesus Christ and get to know him. Look at how he lived his life. Look at the way he responded to trial. Look at who he is and you'll get to know God. And in that knowledge of God and meeting with somebody that's alive, not just an intellectual exercise, 
getting to know his name, your faith's going to be built. Listen as you pray. This is a practice that we've talked a lot about, and I think in the past year, I at least have when I've been preaching, but prayer should be, is, is a two-way conversation, and that, that's a hard thing to get going at times when you're not used to listening as you pray. But God is speaking, and he wants to speak to you, and he'll speak to you even in the quietness of your own mind sometimes. It might feel like your thought voice, but that's really God speaking. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all that God has said to you. Verses will come to your mind, an an application of a verse for your life. Just speak into your life like that. Listen as you pray. Take stillness. Take quiet. You'll be surprised how therapeutic it is. Even if you don't feel like you're necessarily hearing a giant word from God, you'll be surprised how healing and therapeutic it is to take a moment to just be with God. There's no agenda here. There's no urgent thing, but you can be in his presence. You'll hear the word of Christ as you begin to be in his presence and learn to listen. Your faith will be built. As you get to know him and understand his name as you allow him to do that, you can ask for anything in his name and he will do it. I want to give us some practical tips because honestly, I think a lot of us in this room have been Christians for some time and we raised our hands and said, you know what, I've heard these verses. It's hard to apply them into my own life. It's hard to understand at times. If it, I want to start by saying that if it doesn't look like you thought it would when you're asking for something in prayer, keep going. It didn't look like I thought it would last fall when I was asking God, God, I want to find what these guys on YouTube have found. It seems like you want more for my life. It didn't produce the results in the same rate or as quickly as I thought it would, but it doesn't mean that God did nothing. And it took me a while to be humble to the point where I would just accept that I was actually wanting that reality in my life for somewhat of a selfish, prideful motivation. And as God opened me up to that and I would see that, you know what, this isn't, this isn't really in his name. This isn't really of God. Even more transformation continues to come. It is God's will. So if it doesn't look like you thought it would when you ask for something in prayer, hang on. Don't crumple up the Bible, throw it out and assume it's not correct. Hang on. Let your question be, God, what am I missing here? It's not looking like what I thought it would when I'm asking for something. What am I missing? It's a humble place, but start there. I guarantee you God is eager to speak. He's not leaving you without instruction. He's not, just, he's not leaving you hanging out to dry when you're asking for something and feeling like he's not there. His heart breaks when, he feels like, when we feel like he's not available or not there because he promises us in his word, and I love his heart in saying this, that he will never leave us or forsake us. I love that he says, I will bring to mind all that you said. Even in your own mind, he wants to remind you. He wants to speak with you. Don't give up if when you're asking for something in prayer, it doesn't look like you thought it would. Keep in mind also, tip number two, if you're taking notes, keep in mind that sometimes when Jesus did things, the result was there, but in a different way than the reader probably expects. So let's talk about when Jesus heals people, okay? Sometimes he healed people from afar. Sometimes he healed people by spitting on mud and rubbing mud in their eyes. (laughs) He healed a blind person doing that. Sometimes he prayed for a group of lepers and they were healed as they walked away. Okay? The point to get across is that it isn't necessarily like a magic formula. So when it's outside of the magic formula, that's a good question to ask God too. God, are you answering this prayer in something that I'm not seeing? Is this, am I missing something here? Am I just, sometimes we're too one-dimensional, right? Sometimes God's speaking and answering that prayer in a way that you're not seeing. The other thing, just to mention on on the note of healing, God also made doctors and hospitals. Just saying. Sometimes we're praying for healing and we're like, but but it's not working. But 
He also made Tylenol. And he also made doctors and hospitals. I'm just saying, sometimes we're... Is that, is that fair to say? My papers are stuck together. Okay. So, I want to leave us with a challenge and an encouragement. I'm going to, I'm going to start with the encouragement. You guys want the good stuff first or the bad stuff first? I'm just good stuff first. It's a weird question to ask when you're preaching. Um, I want to go back to the passage that we read from at first, okay? In that day, so the day when Jesus rose again from the grave and we can see him again, talking about today, Christians today can see him, you can live with him. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in your name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I think the first step for a lot of us who have given up on these verses or they're just too hard to understand is to see that God, to, to open ourselves up that God is wanting to give us complete joy in answering prayer. I'm telling you that that's what that verse is saying. He actually wants to answer prayer. And I know that in times it feels like the exact opposite of that. You're praying, 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 you don't see it. And you get this impression like, I guess he hates me or I must be praying wrong or he's saying, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. He wants to fill you with complete joy at the sight that he would answer prayer and that he's alive and with you. Would you dare to believe that this morning? If you've given up on this idea that God would be for you, that he's loving and that he wants to answer your prayers? Would you dare to open yourself up and say, God, maybe I'm missing something and maybe you are wanting to answer and speak and fill me with joy? Our challenge, I guess this is the bad stuff, is to get alone with God and ask us where that got hung up. Where did this conversation stop? Remember how I said there's like 15 verses that I could have picked from? This is really repeated in the Bible because God wants to fill us with that joy, give us confidence that prayer works and that he's alive and real. It's repeated and repeated and repeated. But if you're in a place where you've given up on that or, or it's just a back burner thing, it's not a reality in your life, our challenge is to get alone and, and, and ask that humbling question, God, where did this get hung up in my life? You may find, like I did, uh, some bitterness or some pride because I was hurt and I wanted my life to seem better than other Christians and that's why I was asking God to fill me more and for him to be more real. I needed to be honest about that hurt, about that bitterness. It is such an invitation to freedom. He's not going to come to you and be like, see, you've been asking in my name, but really you've been wrong the whole time, Jacob. It's, he's a father who wants to heal, but if we're not honest, how's he going to heal? If we're not honest about what stopped that faith, that excitement in our life, if we're not honest about that, how can there be healing? Can we dare to believe? Would we dare to even just ask God, make this real to me that anything we could ask in his name, he would do? Because when it's repeated so many times in the Bible, I can close in reading more of those verses, but he wants us to have a confidence in that. Here's my closing verse, Romans 8.32. It says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If he loved you so much that he would send his only son 
to die that you wouldn't have to taste the punishment you deserve so that you could have a free gift of new life with a dad and a friend who would never leave you? Would he not graciously lead you into everything else? He is on your side if you have no hope to believe that he would answer prayer or that he would give you or that nothing would be impossible with God. Those verses are hard to believe, man. Just let's get back to being simple. They're in the Bible for a reason. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you want to fill everybody in this room with joy at the sight that you are alive, that you love them, and you want to answer their prayers. I thank you that you want to increase in us an ability to hear your voice and a confidence. That faith that comes from hearing is a confidence, and you want to give us confidence that you are alive every day, that you are with us and that we're never alone, that you'll never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. If we have that faith, if we hear you, if we get to know you, that we would ask according to who you are and just seeing who you are, even the size of a mustard seed could move mountains. There are a lot of, I know, life, I can guarantee there are mountains in this room right now. There is people going through it. There is people who have had a week. There is people who have had a month. There is people who have had the toughest year of their life in this room. I thank you that you want to build the faith that we could say to these mountains, be picked up and move out of the way. There are mountains in this room, but there, we are not without a hope. Give us the courage, the strength, and the opportunity to get before you and to listen that you would build our faith in who you are, that you are real. Challenge us to just get before you and, and, and dare you to show up. God, help. Help me to see you. Help me to explore these things. I pray for each one here and I ask it in Jesus' name that they would be filled with a confidence that they would see the heart of the Father that wants to answer prayer, wants to fill them with joy and does not leave them hopeless in the face of mountains in their life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.